Hello, and welcome to Mindful You at Naropa, a podcast presented by Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. I'm your host, David Devine, and it's a pleasure to welcome you. Joining the best of Eastern and Western educational traditions, Naropa is the birthplace of the modern mindfulness movement. Today, I'd like to welcome Teresa Ferramendi, Amy Buckler, and Victoria Pilar Gonzalez to the podcast. They are here to speak about their documentary theater project, Sanctuary, or Santuario Sanctuary. And thank you for coming. Thank you Thanks for having, having us. us. All right. So we got a full house here. We got three of you in here. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So I'm just kind of curious. How are you all connected to Naropa? How did you all meet? Where did the connection come from? This is Amy talking. I'm connected to Naropa. I was on staff for the School of the Arts and the Jack Kerouac School for a while. And I met Teresa when we were both living in Chicago, actually prior to working on a a previous theater project together, produced and co-directed a show there, did some work organizing with Occupy Chicago. And then she said, I'm moving to Boulder and you should come with me. And I did. (laughs) Oh, wow. So you met before you even came to... Colorado. Okay. Yeah, she she's the reason that I ended up in Colorado. So wonderful. All of this is her yeah fault. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. I'm Teresa, and I met Victoria when I first came to visit Naropa. Okay. I came during Victoria's first year, and there were performances, the six minute performances, and Victoria and I met, and then I decided to come here. During my first year, it was Victoria's second year. And we collaborated in various classes, but the biggest collaboration was with the beginning of this piece, which then was just called Migration. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Great. This is Victoria, by the way, in the Moment Work Workshop with Lee Fondakowski. And we were also working with uh, Benoit at the time, and that was also the start of this project. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. So let's talk about the project. Where did it come from? How did it come arise? Because it seems like you all sort of came to Naropa somehow through whatever avenue you came through, but then all of a sudden this project came about. Like, where did it start? So in the Moment Work workshop we had, it was a three-week workshop, technically four weeks, but there was a week-long break where we worked on something else for that week, so it was a little bit broken up. Uh, We just had the theme migration assigned to us, and Teresa, Ben, and I came up with drawing a parallel between the migration of monarch butterflies and the migration of children across the USA-Mexico border. Uh, Teresa had just seen a documentary, Which Way Home, which actually relates to a later part of the process. When we were in McAllen doing interviews last year, that came up again. Teresa had just seen Which Way Home, and I really wanted to talk about the monarch butterflies and monarch butterflies' uh, population being threatened and how they are pollinators and sort of known for the greatest migration. And so we just sort of 
started honing in on that and created a 10-minute piece in the three weeks that we had for the project using mainly news articles and uh, sort of piecing together uh, stories out of the articles and uh, crafting those 10 minutes around in the year uh, 2014. That was the most significant drop in the monarch butterfly population. And it was also the same year that we had the most unaccompanied minors coming mm. across the border. Yeah. Wow. So all this came out of, through like a school project. Yeah, it was yeah led by Lee Fondakowski, who mm-hmm. gave all the groups the prompt of migration. Okay. And, and everyone open. interpreted it very differently. Yeah. Victoria and I are both more politically minded and social justice oriented. So that was something that I knew would land well between us. We'd keep exploring that. Yeah, so we were the ones who decided to talk about immigration of human mm-hmm. beings across the border. Yeah. And the year before, DACA had passed Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival. Mm-hmm. And so that's why there had been a jump, actually 30,000 more children, unaccompanied children. Yeah across the border that summer. Okay. So this was the next spring that we did this project. And when it was done and we had performed it, I think all three of us knew there was definitely enough material Mm. to do a full length piece, like no question that was definitely worthwhile in exploring. So I had one more year of the MFA and after that we got together and immediately started talking about creating this production. And I was living with Teresa at the time and had overheard conversations about the desire to expand Mm -hmm. it into a full-length piece. This opportunity for a grant with the Boudicca Foundation in collaboration with the Dairy Arts Center here in Boulder came across my inbox and I immediately emailed Teresa and Victoria and was like, uh, you still want to do this thing? We should apply for this grant. This feels like the right grant. And so we did and were finalists for the grant. And then the, the grant interview with the finalists was right after the election. So the issues addressed in this piece were really at the forefront of our minds and and everyone's minds. And I think that energy was certainly present in that room, the grantors and saying, this project needs to happen now. And they were all really enthusiastic about helping us make it happen. Wonderful. Yeah, it's nice to see that and just jump on that opportunity. Wonderful. Okay. So there was a moment where you spoke about the relationship between monarch butterflies and the children, the youth crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. What made you realize those need to go together? What is the relationship between the butterflies' migration and the children's migration? There's a a few connections, actually, Mm -hmm. I would say. One is that humans migrate just like animals and insects. One interest was to normalize migration as behavior of life. That was kind of a, a foundation of the original piece we created. Okay. Migration is life. Yeah. None of us are from Boulder. Like we all migrated here. True. People move for mm-hmm. all kinds of reasons all the time. Yeah. Exactly. And there should be free movement, right? Something that came up later, actually, was that we found out something about Mexican folklore which is that the monarch butterflies arrive in Mexico at the very beginning of November, and it's the Day of the Dead. And actually, it's the day Mm -hmm. after the Day of the Dead is the Day of the Children. So the mythology is that the monarch butterflies, and there's more than one kind of mythology about this, but one of them 
is that monarch butterflies are the spirits of dead children returning home to Mexico. What? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So we actually created this entire piece and had a it. scene <laughs> of a child dying in a desert and coming back as a butterfly. Whoa. And we did not know the mythology. That came later. Wait, so. why, really? Really. Okay. <laughs> there was just something about the monarch butterflies having freedom of flight, freedom of mobility, and I don't remember if this was directly a part of the original piece, but there are international protections for monarch butterflies while there are children dying in the desert. And children whose names are unknown for whatever reason, uh, just a belt found with a contact's name on it. And uh, that idea of not being seen and not being noticed, it seemed like the monarch butterflies were a great way to put their stories out and into people's consciousness, make it more a part of awareness. Yeah. When thinking about crafting a piece with the, the weightiness, the solemnity, the heartbreak of this topic, mm -hmm. to give ourselves a place to land, <laughs> to give ourselves a place to breathe in this story, yeah. to come back to the butterflies as a way to connect and take a breath and just felt important. Yeah. It seems like a very important story to be telling people to inform them and activate them in a way that they can help or just know what's going on. Because I don't think a lot of us know or a lot of us know too much and we're just like afraid to act or like whatever. And it seems as though you're taking on the responsibility to showcase something that needs to be seen. Yeah, I think the responsibility that we've taken on is to honor those who have opened to us mm -hmm. and allowed us to interview them about their lives and that's that's the responsibility we're carrying is yeah. is to to respect those stories and and share them on the biggest stage and on the most stages that we can so that they're heard. So it's been an interesting experience to work on this project and suddenly it's in the newspapers. You know, cool. we've it's cool on the one hand, um, the reality, of course, on the border and in these detention centers for young people yeah. is horrible. Definitely. And it's interesting. Many people think that this is a new phenomenon, but through our interviews, we know that it's not. Children have been held for very long periods of time in immigrant detention centers since before the election. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's our orientation. Why do you think all of a sudden it's a hot topic? Why do you think all of a sudden there are more people that are seeing what's going on? They're more witnessing what is happening compared to when it was happening and it wasn't in mainstream media. What do you think activated that? Over the past year, things have definitely accelerated. The zero tolerance policy that's been enacted by the current administration is an exaggeration of something that was already not in a good place. Yeah. Um, so to have zero tolerance from the point of low tolerance where we were at before, where there were kids separated. There were kids being separated from their families. Mm -hmm. And you'd hear on the radio stories of moms traveling for hours just to see their son for an hour. And that was before the zero tolerance policy. And so now we're seeing what zero tolerance really looks like. 
And so the extremity of that situation and the number of people who are just sort of waking up to what is happening. And it, it, it was already unacceptable, and now it's so completely unacceptable, but people are listening. And it's hard to look at what's happening on the border. It was hard to look at it before when it, there were unidentified skeletons found in the desert. But those skeletons aren't even a part of the current dialogue, uh, really. Mm -hmm. it's, it's about the people in detention centers without even acknowledging the yeah. risk of the people who don't even make it to the detention centers. Yeah, and also there's probably just like a lot of people that have lost their way many years ago. So mm -hmm. this has been going on for a while. This isn't like a fresh new topic that people are just talking about. This has been going on for a bit. Yeah, the wall was only built in 1994 or 1996. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ten years after Mr. Gorbachev tear down that wall, mm. the USA built their own wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think acceleration is a really good way of looking at what's happening. Because mm -hmm. I think... I think it's it's a crisis and it's a manufactured crisis. So there's a crisis in a few ways. There's a crisis of how people are being treated as individuals in detention. And yeah. then there's the number of people are literally, it's too much for the current system to mm -hmm. actually be able to hold. So there's now a big backup. There's yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, first off, it seems inhumane to do what they're doing. And then it, on top of that, it's inhumane at the number of people they're doing it with. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like you're just complexities upon complexities of how it shouldn't be going. Yeah, so for example, one way that they did this with is with those who are seeking asylum as refugees. Mm -hmm. So how it has been for years is that you could come and say you're looking for asylum at any point in the border. And even though you're supposed to go to a legal port of entry, they would generally kind of process you anyway as an asylum seeker. Okay. Part of zero tolerance is that everyone right now is basically being processed as a criminal. So they've criminalized what is actually a misdemeanor. Yeah. Crossing the border illegally is just like a traffic ticket. It's mm -hmm. actually a small crime. So they've increased the kind of punishment for that. And then they've, they're not really taking asylum applications. What I've been reading mm -hmm. is that they're turning asylum seekers away at the ports of entry. So then they have to cross illegally somewhere else. Okay. And then they're processing them as though they weren't actually refugees. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple different things compounding and... Also, just since you brought up the wall, I think another kind of connection with the butterflies is that the wall has an ecological effect on the mm. land yeah. beyond just on human beings. And so one of the things that you see in Germany is that animals still will not cross the line where the Berlin Wall was. Mm -hmm. They have changed a lot of their life patterns. Yeah. So that's going to continue to happen in Mexico and the yeah. United States. Wow and affecting a lot of different animals. So one that we know of is the ocelot, which is endangered and will most certainly be extinct in the United States if the wall continues yeah. to be built in the way it is planned. It's kind of interesting to think that they're illegalizing migration. And migration is a natural process that people, animals and insects and just the natural environments do. And 
because you put a wall there doesn't mean the migration will stop between the animals or the nature or the people. Like there's still going to be other routes. They just can't take the ones they're used to. Woman that was interviewed said, well, fortunately, butterflies don't recognize borders. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they'll often fly over. They can they can do that, right? They've got that privilege. Mm-hmm. Other animals, like turtles, you know, there's a lot of different animals out there in the desert that yeah. will not be able to get through. Yep. Will be drowned when there are floods. And yeah, and obviously humans can't get through that way, but the other kind of part of this manufactured crisis is that not that many people are coming that way these days. Yeah. Only really people who are running away from devastating situations are taking the risk of even going through Mexico because Mexico has even less tolerance than the USA has. Mm. So uh, for a lot of people coming from south of Mexico, just going through Mexico is a huge risk to take. And so crossing on foot isn't, isn't a decision that anybody is making lightly. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Wow. It's all interconnected. Mm-hmm. Definitely is. That's one thing I've, I think we've been starting to explore in the piece is the more that each of us can take more than one perspective, even, even as an artist, mm-hmm. like wear more than one hat in the production, the better. Because yeah. this is, I think, one of the problems that the border creates and the language difference creates is that we don't hear the stories of people who are deported back to Mexico or to Honduras. We don't hear what happens to them Mm -hmm. there. So, you know, why is that? Because we've created this false boundary and this linguistic barrier. And uh, something about the language, too, the way that law is enforced and regulated in the USA, there's this sort of myth of the right way to do it. And in the past few months, they've Jeff Sessions changed what counts for asylum and cut out mm. domestic violence survivors and gang violence. And a lot of the gang violence throughout the south of the border is either a direct result of the drug war in the USA or gangs that started in the USA that are then essentially exported down. And so... There's this incongruence with the law as it's written and as it's followed or as it plays out. Just this past year over uh, one of the interviews, one of the things that really struck me that came up was a woman whose husband was doing everything the right way. And he was unable to see his mother and his father. He hadn't seen them in about seven years from when he started doing it the right way, he made one mistake in going over the border before he started it. So he had to follow everything mm. for legal citizenship yeah. uh, to the book. And he could not see his family. And they went down in San Diego, California. There's this park, declared Friendship Park, and it was supposed to be a bi-national park. And when the wall went up in the 90s, the park was closed off. And over recent years, they opened it up only on very specific dates for like once or twice a year Mm -hmm. at most. And they arrived a week early for it to open up. So they were shouting 200 feet across. There are two fences that they they were just trying to shout across to say hi. And her son was crying and completely devastated by 
seeing his grandmother sobbing, unable to see her son, and just the, the way that the families are separated isn't something that anybody can know without going through it. So sharing those kinds of experiences, she, in that time that I interviewed her, her viewpoint completely changed. She, was, she realized there was no right way to do it. Her husband mm-hmm. was doing it the right way, mm-hmm. and it still caused so much pain in seeing her son heartbroken. Yeah. So within your like investigation and your research, you've interviewed a bunch of people, and you have multiple narratives, multiple stories that you're putting together. How did that unfold for you? How did the story itself as you were investigating, what did that look like? Do you notice consistent narratives that people were saying? Were you interviewing both sides, like lawmakers and Border Patrol people, and then the people who are affected by it? Like, How was that process for you? We interviewed quite a range of people from very recent immigrants who had just crossed the border the day before to people who have been in the United States for some time to people who have been undocumented in the United States and then got their citizenship. We had also a tour by Border Patrol of the Wall in San Diego. Mm -hmm. That was very important to get that perspective. And we also spoke with a few other immigration customs and border patrol officers in different circumstances and then we've also spoken with some scientists environmentalists conservationists nonprofit directors volunteers yeah. and then also people who actually work for the butterfly sanctuaries mm. in Michoacan Mexico okay so we have some of those interviews as well so it's quite a range yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and we had a set number of questions that we had prepared as a group mm-hmm. including you know from like what do you think it means to be illegal to what gives you hope you know what were the circumstances of your birth mm-hmm. um kind of a full range yeah and then i think we started to see certainly themes coming about actually the theme of faith mm-hmm. was one that emerged very clearly to us from you know the the I think now it's called the Humanitarian Crisis Relief Center at Sacred Heart in McAllen, Texas, that was founded to receive all these children in 2014. Mm-hmm. They still run, and they're a very Catholic organization. So, one volunteer said very beautifully, and it has still really touches my heart that when she looks into the faces of these immigrants, that she sees the face of God. She sees God coming to ask her for a toothbrush Mm. or for some food yeah or for clean clean, yeah clean clothes yeah so that was one kind of theme that emerged very naturally Mm -hmm. and it's one reason why we've decided to name the piece santuario sanctuary because sanctuary is kind of a religious space yeah a space of spirituality as well as it kind of overlapping with some of the political language of Mm -hmm. sanctuary cities and butterfly sanctuary Mm -hmm. and just sort of like a neutral place, a place without the harms of the outside world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The right to not be illegal. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. What does it mean to be illegal? What does it mean to yeah. be a citizen? That's quite a question. Like, what does it mean to be illegal? You cross this line that was drawn by a government or whatever, and all of a sudden you are categorized as something you were not when you were over there compared to over here. And the line was actually, the line has shifted over time. It mm-hmm. was originally the border was the Rio Grande, 
And the Rio Grande is not in the same place as it was 100 years ago. Yeah. It Rivers migrate too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing a theme here. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it was interesting. I was reading uh, one of our interviews with an immigration rights attorney and he mm-hmm. was saying, you know, actions that humans take, there can be illegal behaviors, but a human themselves cannot be illegal. You can perform yeah. illegal actions, but to label someone illegal yeah. is the, not a thing. The doing can be illegal, but the being cannot. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Ooh. I'm going to sit on that one for a bit. <laughs> With doing all the work you've been doing and learning what you've been learning, is there anything that the general public is unaware of and should know about? Or is there anything that is just important to be said about this topic? Because I'm sure there's some stuff that like, that just the general population doesn't know about that we probably should, that you're collecting all these stories and you're hearing the stuff that we don't. Is there anything like you would like to share about that? One thing that won't be in the Santuario Sanctuary production, but it'll be an ongoing project and ultimately end up in something else. But uh, one of the interviews we did was with a a woman whose parents were coyotes or coyotes. And coyotes are the people that Help. move people across the border. Yeah, yeah. yeah. or polleros is mm-hmm. another word. And she grew up in... Tijuana, Mexico, and her family would take in families, and they, all of the people who they received, they received based off of references, and they made sure were uh, not associated with anything drug related mm-hmm. or violence related. Everybody who they received was wanting to cross to work, and this was a couple, few decades ago. And in the interview this year, both she and her mother, she was a child when it was happening, and her mother arrived during the interview to also share a little bit. And they still see people across uh, Southern California working, just living their lives and working and making a living and contributing. So that was one of the last interviews we heard. One of the first interviews we had, and this part is in the show, the, uh, just because somebody's undocumented doesn't mean that they're not paying taxes. Mm-hmm. And there are ways that people contribute to the benefit of the nation, even whether or not they're documented just by working and doing the proper paperwork. And it has to do with having access to those things. Mm-hmm. Um, that interview was at Proyecto Desarrollo Humano in... It was a colonia in southern Texas. Yeah, not right in McAllen, but just outside of McAllen. And it was started by a group of nuns, and they were addressing the needs of the community and giving people access to learn how to pay their taxes, to fill out the proper paperwork, to fill out the paperwork for DACA. Without that kind of organization, there's no way for somebody just on the street to just know and that expectation that things be done the right way while there isn't open accessibility to that right way. There's a need to address in making it more available to the people who are looking for that and unable to find it in other ways. Yeah. I think for me, one thing that is like about what's happening right now 
or there's, um, I think, a lack of understanding is about this criminalization of a misdemeanor. So what concerns me really, there's many layers of concern, I suppose, but Mm -hmm. what I think that most people don't, haven't understood yet is that even though they are criminalizing this misdemeanor and so they are making the punishment for it much harsher, they are not processing it through our judicial system at that level. So what I mean is that they're still going to immigration court where they have mass hearings with 50 people at once yeah. where they don't have a lawyer. And so, so they're processing them differently according to what the law says they should be processing them at with what they're getting. Yeah, so they're processing them through immigration court, which is basically like traffic court. So mm-hmm. they're in that way, they're getting the amount of support that they would get for a misdemeanor. Yeah. However, they're actually being um, criminalized, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So there's a, a real paradox there. And each one of them should have a lawyer if we're going to treat them this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, not criminalization then makes it difficult, if near impossible, to then immigrate legally in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And for them to defend themselves. Like, if they're in this situation, yeah. they're a refugee, they're fleeing gang violence, and then they're taken, treated as criminals, separated from their children, they're supposed to make an argument, they don't have a lawyer, um, they don't totally understand the proceedings. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I don't think that's any, yeah. that's not the law. I mean, I, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, That's not justice. No, I don't think it's justice in any form. And Mm -hmm. it's compounding trauma on trauma on trauma. Yeah. What concerns me is what we're creating in the long term, the cycles of trauma and violence, particularly for these children who are being traumatized Mm -hmm. and how that will play out. Yeah. You know, in their personal lives, professionally and politically in the future. Wow. I think something that's that's been present for me and, um, you know, the the gift of the community of Naropa and, and grounding in mindfulness is that all of this is, is really difficult to hold, but it demands that we hold it. It demands yes. that we stay present, that we remain attentive, that we don't turn away or collapse into our own feelings of, of loss and turmoil and, you know, meeting these different or different organizations. This is, has been going on for a long time and there are people doing really great work and how can we all lend our support to that? Whether yeah. it's, supporting the artists who are highlighting this work, supporting the aid workers who are in the mix, getting on the phone with your representatives all the time. You know, it, it demands our attention and that's hard to do, mm-hmm. but that discipline is is what's needed and it's going to take us all to move this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I actually feel because of my education at Naropa that I I can regulate myself and have mm. the capacity yeah. to hold these stories with a group of people and all the you know human responses we're going to have as we work on this project. Mm-hmm. And we have the practices. Yeah, you know that's what I mean. They're there for every day, but they're also especially there when things are hard. Yeah. So I feel more equipped to do this than ever before. Yeah, this is not. It doesn't sound like easy work. And there has to be some sort of filtering process to where you're able to do the work, hear the stories that you're hearing, collect the information, and then move forward in a way that is going to be beneficial towards the healing of this. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All right. So unfortunately, we only got like a minute left. <laughs> and just to 
get this going. I'm curious, what's next? Anything exciting coming up? Anything that you got going on? Um, just let the people know, like, what's to come. Estreno Mundial, world premiere, September 6th, 2018. Hey, all right. Mm -hmm. Dairy Arts Center in okay. Boulder. We'll have two weekends. Okay. Come see. And we're also going to have a staged reading at the Piven Theater mm -hmm. in Evanston, Illinois, just outside of Chicago in November. Okay. It's November 16, 17, 18. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Yes. And we are looking to take this show on the road. Um, we are looking to expand to, we have contacts in San Diego and in Mexico City that are interested in staging this piece. And we want it to migrate everywhere. <laughs> so mm. um, we are looking for collaborators across the country who are interested in this project. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your passion, your drive, just the fact that you're willing to sit with the hard, difficult information and, and hear people's stories and do your research and investigate what is going on and then enlighten the people, you know, and then take it on the road and show people. And it's, it's really powerful. And I just really appreciate you sharing, sharing that with us and just letting us know what's going on. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. <laughs> One ways in which we are taking responsibility with mm -hmm. this work of art is to work with as many Latino, Latinx, Latina performers, artists as possible. None of us are going to financially benefit from this. <laughs> Just to be upfront, we're going to be donating our proceeds yeah. to immigrant rights groups in Colorado. So this is really a piece for the community. And if people are interested and they just want to get a hold of you, how would they get a hold of you if they can't come to the show or anything like that? So you can look at our website, proyectomigracion.org. P-R-O-Y-E-C-T-O-M-I-G-R-A-C-I-O-N.org. Perfect. So I'd like to thank my guests, Teresa, Amy, and Victoria, for speaking with us today about their documentary theater project that they are creating, Santuario, Sanctuary, the migration of butterflies and the youth over the Mexico border to the U.S. On behalf of the Naropa community, thank you for listening to Mindful You, the official podcast of Naropa University. Check us out at www.naropa.edu or follow us on social media for more updates.